Last week, we began a new series called The Unshakable Kingdom. And the context of this is essentially what this pre-message video shows, that whenever the world is in flux, whenever the kingdoms of this world seem unable to deliver the peace and stability that we look for them to deliver, fortunately, my friends, there is the kingdom of God. And so we, we talked about last week how so often we we have too small of a picture of what Jesus came to do. We picture Jesus as having come to simply and only offer forgiveness. And maybe by following his example, we can become better people until we die and go to heaven someday. But the the message of Christ was actually way more ambitious than that. He came announcing a kingdom. He came saying the kingdom is here. He came saying the kingdom is happening right now. And so he didn't just come with guidelines and encouragements that we could lay over and, and have improve sort of the everyday life that we have. Jesus intended to upset the entire apple cart. And I think that this morning, as we get a glimpse of God's holiness in the same way as we get a glimpse of God's kingdom, very frequently we can and we should realize that it's way bigger than anything we had ever thought about. And this makes me think of my first visit a few years ago to the Grand Canyon. How many of you have had the incredible privilege of being near that big old hole in the ground? Isn't it more than a big hole in the ground? I thought that I was going to see a really big canyon, and it turns out it really is a grand canyon. That whenever we went and visited that, first of all, maybe, no, this is a diversion. We were at a, at a hotel with the very best buffet bacon that I have ever had in my life. <clears throat> so we started our day that way. And then we went to uh, see the Grand Canyon. And I'm just telling you, friends, for me, whenever I saw it, it was so staggering that it caused a physical reaction that I can still feel whenever I remember that moment. I remember my the heart in my chest felt like it was literally flying, just standing there watching it. And so I can remember being on the edge looking out. That idiot is not me, but I was doing that idiot thing. You're, you're standing there and it's just, and it's just mind boggling. That is the Grand Canyon compared to just a big canyon, Paladuro Canyon. That is the kingdom of God compared to simply going to church. The kingdom of God compared to getting saved. And so there's a great uh, missionary. He's long gone to be with the Lord now, but you should read him if you ever have a chance. His name is E. Stanley Jones. E. Stanley Jones wrote a book that I stole the title of our series from called The Unshakable Kingdom and the Unchanging Person. And this is what E. Stanley Jones says about the kingdom of God. If Jesus made the kingdom of God the center of his message and the center of his endeavor, then the greatest need of man, as I see it, is to rediscover the kingdom of God. Man needs nothing so much as he needs something to bring life together into total meaning and total goal. Don't let that sentence go past you. Man needs something to bring life together into total meaning and total goal. 
wouldn't it be nice to be able to find something that can kind of unite and begin to mend all of this chaos that we're living in? But whenever Jesus said, I came to bring a kingdom, and whenever we say the kingdom of God is here and now, you would not be totally out of left field to say, where? Because whenever we think of kingdoms, we typically think of a geographical place. And let me walk you through our thoughts this morning to begin to answer the question, what kind of kingdom is it? This will probably take a couple of weeks, but the first point is this. The kingdom of God can best be described as an already not yet kingdom. It's a, it's a great way of putting it that theologians have come up with. An already, say already, but not yet. The kingdom of God is an already not yet kingdom. It's something that is birthing. It's something that is working its way into the world, but it is not in its final form. And so this morning we read Jesus talking about the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that grows into a massive tree. If I was to hold a mustard seed up here, of course you couldn't even see it. And Jesus is talking about something that seems to start that small and that innocent will grow into over time something massive. And so that's something that is growing. And yet Isaac read to us from the book of Revelation this morning about the kingdom of God becoming the kingdom of man. Like Revelation paints a picture of the city of heaven, just God's holy city actually coming down to earth. So there's this degree of where the kingdom of God is growing and developing. And then there's this degree of finality where it's going to come in power definitively once and for all. And so where now we're responsible for bringing hints of heaven into earth and we see bits of it here and we see bits of it there, eventually earth will be heaven. Heaven will come to earth. I'm way more pumped about that now than I used to be. And so whenever you see this idea of an already not yet kingdom and you say, so which is it? It's like taking a quarter and saying heads or tails, which one is the quarter? They're just both the quarter. And so as we talk about the kingdom of heaven this morning, the first thing I want to tell you, number one is this. It's a gradual kingdom. It's a gradual kingdom that becomes more visible as God's people increase in number and glory. As God's people increase in number, as more people come to know him, and let's just take our little Trinity church. This is our little corner of the kingdom. This is not the extent of the kingdom. You know, the kingdom extends locations. It extends denominations. The kingdom is the kingdom of God. So it's huge. But for us, as people come to know Jesus, we should increase in number. As people come to know Jesus better, we should increase in glory, meaning simply we radiate the presence and the transformation of God in our own lives, in the way we live and and in the way we act. All of those things should be true. And so it's a gradual kingdom and Jesus compares it to, and this is so funny, scripture never blatantly says, and Jesus laughed. But if you read scripture close enough, you know, sometimes he's got to be joking. (laughs) And so when he says the kingdom of God is like a woman that had a little bit of leaven or yeast and worked it into 50 pounds of flour. Do you realize how much flour that is? Just picture you or any mom or if you're if you're a man cook like me beginning to work a little yeast into flour, but 50 pounds of flour 
I looked it up this morning and buy one great recipe, that's enough for 1,200 biscuits. <laughs> that's a lot of biscuits. And so Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is that transformational. Just like with a measure of flour, you put a little bit of yeast in there and it takes just, just flat flour, what it would be flat dough, and makes it into what all God's children would call wonderful bread. And Jesus would say the kingdom of God will have that same effect. It may be, it may be slow, it may look small at times, but it will inevitably reach throughout the earth and then one day it will be final. So it's a gradual, it's a gradual kingdom. It's something that grows as we do. Number two, what kind of kingdom is the kingdom of God? It's a present kingdom that shows up wherever God's people embrace God's ways. It's a present kingdom that shows up wherever God's people embrace God's ways. And so that whenever you see people living in a godly way, you can actually look at that and you could say, that's kingdom. The way that Josh showed up and he did that for that man, that, that's kingdom. That's the kingdom of God right there. Whenever we pray for one another and we see somebody healed, whenever we pray for somebody and see God delivered, you know, Jesus at one point is accused of casting out demons by the power of Satan. And Jesus goes, listen, if a house is divided against itself, you know, no kingdom can stand. But Jesus said, if I'm doing this by the finger of God, then the kingdom has come. And so you see that it's a gradual kingdom. Wherever God's people embrace God's ways and you see God's work, you can say, that's kingdom. And so until the very end of time, it is not just where we can find a place on earth and say, finally, the kingdom is here. It makes me think of the movie Black Panther. How many of you have seen Black Panther? Okay, Black Panther, great movie. Chadwick Boseman, tremendous loss. Chadwick Boseman was one of uh, Crystal and I's favorite actors. And so uh, he played King T'Challa in, in Black Panther, and he passed away a couple of weeks ago. But the Black Panther movie is about a hidden kingdom, the kingdom called Wakanda, that is hidden on the continent of Africa. And the idea is that you can't see it with the naked eye, but if you were allowed in by access, you can get into this place. And it's a kingdom of unity. It's a kingdom of scientific advancement. It's a kingdom of peace. It's this wonderful kingdom in this geographical place. And Jesus would say, yeah, until the very end of time, you're not going to find it that way. And so towards the end of that movie, King T'Challa actually decides to bring Wakanda to the rest of the world. And so as that movie wraps up, the king is in Oakland with his little sister, and he says, I've decided we can help this world. And he says, I bought that building, and I bought that building. He's a king, remember? And I bought that building. And he says, we're basically going to bring Wakanda to Oakland, California. This is much more like the kingdom of God. We are taking from what is God's. Jesus introduced heaven to earth, and he has asked us to be his representatives. And wherever we represent the king's ways, and wherever we do the king's things, there is the what? The kingdom. So it's a gradual kingdom and it's a present kingdom wherever God's people live God's ways. And so one of the ways the kingdom is present, next point is this, the kingdom is present whenever all people are loved as children of God. 
Whenever all people are loved as children of God, equally, decisively settled. No one has to earn respect. No one has to prove their worth of ethnicity or nationality. Wherever all of God's people are loved and accepted equally, there is the what? The kingdom of God. And so do you see right now how our world needs the kingdom of God? We need the kingdom of God at this moment. And but the, what the kingdom offers us, here's what it says. Galatians chapter 3, 26, through faith, you are all sons of God in Christ Jesus. For those of you who were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, since you were all one in Christ Jesus. So this transcends genders, nationalities, colors, all of this kind of stuff. And you may think to yourself, well, that's nice, but the world needs a version of that without all the God stuff. I'm simply saying to you, try to find it. Try to find it. Try to find a paradigm without knowing that we are made in God's image and then try to force notions of equality on people. Because we, what we essentially do is we push away the God that made all of us. I mean, even, listen, the United States is not and has never, I mean, has never been just a blatantly everything Christian from the top-down country, but here was our founding documents. All men are what equal? Created equal and endowed with certain unalienable rights. I mispronounced that word, didn't I? I'm not even going to try it again. Leave it in the dust. But... All men are created equal. And because we believe that we are created equal, then whenever stuff goes haywire, we can always point back to, no, you know what is right? We are created equal. We need to treat people as such. But whenever we throw out any notions of the creator, what we're left with instead is just a power struggle. Who's in charge? Who can step on who? That, my friends, is the story of the world. Can you see why we need the kingdom of God? We need the kingdom of God. Have we talked about life groups lately? (laughs) Did you know that our life groups are meant to be a reflection of the kingdom of God? Last week, we began signups. We'll do them again at the end of today's service. And there are groups listed at trinitywax.info. But the whole idea of this is that we can move beyond having only the congregational setting. And we can get into living rooms and we can get onto Zoom if you have to. But we can have a place and a smaller group of people who we can be with and we can live out the one another's of Scripture. The one another, such as be devoted to one another, such as love, such as accept, such as serve, such as be kind and compassionate to. How many of you know that you need some one another's to one another? It's necessary. No one has ever one anothered in the history of the world without an other. It is absolutely necessary. And so, sure, there are other ways to manifest the kingdom of God relationally, but here at our church, this is what we're at. We're asking you, hey, commit to a group of people to to share life with, to pray for them, to know them well enough, to love them and care about how they're doing in their walk with Jesus, because the kingdom is present whenever all people are loved and accepted 
as children of God. The kingdom is also present whenever God's people live out the ways of Christ so that Jesus came, Scripture says, to destroy the works of the devil. He came to get into good trouble. He came to destroy the works of the devil. And so whenever you see the works of the devil being destroyed by perhaps seeing adoption happen whenever abortion could, guess what? The kingdom of God is present. Whenever you see an exhausted, pained marriage uh, submitting to God, trying to love one another and just give it one more try, not giving up, guess what? In that instance, the kingdom of God is present. Yesterday, we had a men's work day, did some cleanup in the parking lot, got that ready to be striped. That'll happen soon, and that'll be nice. But I was talking with one of our brothers at the end of service who is involved with it. I hope he doesn't mind me telling him this. I didn't get to ask him. But um, he was, he's involved with an incredible prison ministry called Kairos. And this is very simply a group of believers that come into prisons and do these sort of three-day retreats or so within a prison, and they declare the kingdom of God. They preach the gospel and the literal effect that this group of Christians has had bringing the kingdom into prisons over the years. They have seen murder rates in prisons absolutely plummet. They have seen plans to expand prisoner capacity be scrapped because it wasn't needed anymore. They have seen the kingdom of God actually break out in prison. Why? Because the kingdom turns out to be powerful and effective wherever God's people are doing God things and living God's ways. The kingdom of God is present whenever a life group chooses a need within the city and says, you know what? Our group is going to commit to that thing. In those instances, the kingdom of God is present. And then we sang toward this this morning, the kingdom of God is present when God's people live holy lives. Can we accept that we worship, not only that we worship a holy God, but that he asks us, commands us to live holy lives. That he doesn't just want us to acknowledge his holiness. He wants us to embrace it and say, what does that look like if I am to live that out? So Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1 says this, with your minds ready for action, be sober minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And he says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, but as the one who called you is what? Holy, so be holy in all of your conduct. And so this is an area where so often, whenever we think of holiness, we just think of extreme clothing that I hope I never have to wear. And so we start thinking it always of things that we don't do, don't do, don't do, don't do. And so there's an element of, of that certainly where because of who we love, we will no longer be conformed to the ways that we live before we loved him. But it also turns out that real holiness, I mean, whenever you catch a glimpse of God, it's beautiful. And God is asking us to be his beautiful people. Why? I mean, he actually says, conduct yourselves with reverence during your time as strangers on the earth. 
Why is he calling us strangers? Because we live for another kingdom. We live for a kingdom that is actually going to go on forever. We are going to vote in November as citizens of the United States of America, but we are living for a kingdom that is going to last for an eternity after the United States of America is little more as much as we love it than a memory. The kingdom of God will march on and it will go on forever. And so Peter says, hey, just remember who you belong to and live that way. And then he says, because you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like gold or silver, but with something imperishable and holy and precious as the blood of Christ. Gold and silver, we view that stuff as precious, don't we? But the blood of Christ, infinitely more precious. You can always tell the value of something based on what someone is willing to pay for it. Now, there is no amount of gold or silver that I would trade any of my children for. You could offer me the universe of gold and silver. I would not trade my children for it. And yet God gave something infinitely more precious. He gave his son for you, for me. That's how precious he views you. I can believe that about you way easier than I can believe it about me. But that's how precious I am to God. And because of that, he says, do you see your value? Do you see your father's love? Don't live anymore for silliness, for ignorance, for sin. Then as we get ready to close, so it's a gradual kingdom, it's a present kingdom, and it's an inside-out kingdom built on love that defies understanding. Throughout history, when, when a nation is conquered, the king comes in and you were told how things are going to be because the king is here. And you see Jesus, the king of the universe, coming into the world and taking an entirely different approach, marching instead like his way to death. And so this scripture right here, Jesus is in his process of his crucifixion and he's standing with, with a Roman authority, Pilate. And do you remember this whole exchange? Pilate saying, listen, I could, I could free you. Jesus is like, you don't have any real power. You know, the power you have is, is given to you. And so Pilate's saying, are you a king? They're saying that you say you're a king. And Jesus says this, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom was of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Now, think of any president we've ever had, whether you like them or whether you didn't. If you were in another nation and you saw your president under threat, you would probably feel like something must be done. And Jesus, the king of the universe, would let nothing be done. Why? Because this is what he came to do. And it's inside out. It's upside down. It's so weird if you think about it. So if President Trump were to make a visit to Waxahachie today, he would come in this huge limousine known as, codename with the Secret Service, simply the Beast and the beast is this limousine that weighs like 20,000 pounds. 
And the beast has armored metal, eight to 10 inches thick. The beast has bulletproof glass that is like five or six inches thick. That's just the windshield. The doors to this car are as heavy as the doors on a Boeing 747. Why? To protect what is inside of it. Inside of the beast is a refrigerator full of the president's blood type so that if he gets injured or attacked, he can be saved on the spot. You look at all of that necessary stuff where we would say, absolutely, protect our, protect our leaders. You know, there's a bounty out for them. And then you look at the way Jesus marches into Jerusalem. Did he come in the beast limo? Did he even come on a big horse? He came on a baby donkey. <laughs> a baby donkey. A colt, the foal of a donkey. Look, Jerusalem, your king comes to you. Why was he coming on this beast of burden? He's carrying the sins of the world. He's coming not on a war horse offering war. He's coming offering peace. He's not coming with a refrigerator full of his own blood type in case he needs protection. He is coming because he knows he is going to bleed. And he's doing it for you and for me. I have a couple of old paintings here of, of coronations, King George VII of France, King Charlemagne. And you look at these, these old pictures and it's these holy moments where these kings are crowned and it's precious. And yet the king of the universe was crowned with thorns shoved down on his head. He wore a robe too. They threw it around his shoulders and they mocked him. You say you're a king? They threw a bag over his head and they beat him with a staff and they say, prophesy, who's hitting you? And you see the king of the universe submit himself all to that. And God's effort is simply to say, you need another kingdom. The kingdoms of this world will fade. And so in no, all the protection that we give to kings, the king of the universe came unwilling to be protected, instead wanted to lay his life down for you and for me. That is an inside-out kingdom. That is an inside-out kingdom. And I really believe this. It's our final thought. The world needs the kingdom of God. The world needs the kingdom of God. The world needs a kingdom that is willing to extend forgiveness at a time when we are, we are canceling each other and, and we are hurting each other. The world needs a kingdom that will bear with one another at a time when we're so ready to make different classifications and say, who's the enemy and who's this and who's that? The world needs a different kingdom. My question for you this morning, Trinity Church, is are you willing, are we willing to try to be that kingdom in Waxahachie? The world is too big for us. We're not in control of the world. God, God's got that. The nation's too big for us. We're here, though. We live here. We work in these places. We know these people. Will we look to bring the kingdom of God into the ways that we can? It's a gradual kingdom. It's a present kingdom. And it's an inside-out kingdom. And our world needs it. Amen. Amen.